Hey, I'm Jim McGinnis, and this is Stories We Can Tell, and I am so glad you found me. Reflections on history, literature, and music, stories about individual journeys, struggles, and victories. They come in the form of essays, and narratives, and journal entries, and readings from my favorite writers. Hemingway insisted that truth is manifested in fiction as well as fact. A figurative expression can be as powerful as a literal one. That said, I sometimes choose to use fictional characters to tell my story. There's a guy you're going to meet sooner or later, Quinn, Francis Quinn. He happens to be the main character in my book, and he's a composite of several heroes of mine glued together by my own conscience and ego. The teacher in me loves a narrative, a story. Shelby Foote believed that history is best told that way so the reader can discover the plots on his own. Well, I'm still working on my plot. After all these years, I'm still trying to find my way, but that's all right. That's okay. I think I said once that the journey is the story and the story is the trip. If I didn't, I wish I had. Monday morning, first hint of light, unseasonably warm, even for Florida. Quinn stood gazing upward at the quarter moon, the last quarter. The moon reminded him of mornings in the Keys when they would troll through Tavernier Creek to get to open water. It took them nearly a half an hour to wind through the mangroves at idle speed. The boys rigged the lines and checked the workings of the boat while Quinn stood on the bow as Mako staring at the horizon, waiting for that first sliver of sunrise. Quinn was never a very good fisherman, but he was a lucky one. And as he got older, he enjoyed the boating trips as much as the fishing. The boys were all grown now, married with kids. It became harder and harder for them to get together. But every chance they got, they headed for blue water. It had been a two-book weekend, he had spent much of his time recovering from a cold, switching back and forth between David Warner's Vanishing Florida and White Guilt by Shelby Steele. Actually, the latter was a reread, a powerful reassessment of the civil rights movement through the eyes of a former militant activist. Warner's book, on the other hand, was a unique guide through seldom heard of parts of his beloved home state. After the dogs had their fill of the yard, Quinn brought them inside and sat down at the table by the window to write for a while before he got ready for work. Like most mornings, when he stepped out of the shower and over the brown dog, he was again filled with a great expectancy. Mindful of Louis L'Amour's premise that life can be divided into anticipation and memory. After all these years in the classroom, Quinn still felt a rush of anticipation. He was in the business of stoking memories. There had been so many times when he had locked the door at the end of the day, feeling so low he thought he couldn't write himself. He had failed so miserably, maybe he shouldn't even come back. But morning would come just the same, and he would drink his coffee and greet the day with high hopes. He never figured out how he could be so deciduous about his profession and survive.
Despite his optimism, morning classes did not go smoothly. In fact, they were lousy. Three interruptions, including a fire drill. Quinn thought it would be a good day to go outside and spend his planning period. It was a beautiful day. As he approached the green bench with his Cuban sandwich and a cup of lukewarm coffee, Quinn could see that a young woman was already sitting down, sipping a smoothie. You're late, she said cheerfully. Story of my life, Quinn replied. Good afternoon, Miss Richardson. Good to see you again. Actually, he was rather surprised. He placed his book beside him on the bench and opened up his sandwich. She picked up the book and leafed through it, reading the title out loud, Returning to Earth by Jim Harrison. You're tough on a book. Ever hear of a bookmark? Quinn smiled and thought of their first encounter. He had sat himself down on that green bench, pressed pause, unwrapping a peanut butter and honey sandwich. It was orange blossom honey he bought from Harvey's Grove store on 192. Two ladies in there had sworn it would help him with his cough. It didn't do the trick, but it was sure tasted good. Either way, it was a beautiful day, and he had come outside to enjoy it. Blue skies and ultraviolet rays, he sang to himself, invoking an old Jimmy Buffett line for the occasion. He had made a habit of dropping whatever he was doing when he heard the outdoors calling. It was so easy to get wrapped up in the task at hand that the wonders of the day could slip on by. Quinn was determined not to let that happen. He had heard the news the night before. Florida was now the third largest state in the Union. Quinn groaned at the thought. His grandfather had foretold Florida's fate long ago. Air conditioning to Disney. They will be our undoing. Mark my words. Quinn did mark them thought of all the spineless, greedy politicians who contributed to the fall. Still, on days like this, it's hard to blame anyone for wanting to be down here. 75 degrees, slight breeze out of the north, and a clear sky so blue it defied description. Nah, as hard as they tried, they couldn't completely destroy paradise. Not yet, at least. Today was nothing short of glorious. Mind if I sit? A young woman with dark hair and sunglasses sat down beside him. No, not at all, Quinn replied. Not at all. I see you sitting out here, she said. My classroom is right up there, pointing in the general direction of the stairs. I'm Frank Quinn. I can't believe we haven't met. That sounded almost creepy, but I'm okay with it. I'm Jody Richardson. Quinn was oblivious as usual. He repeated her name to himself. He had the terrible habit of forgetting a person's name right after the introduction. Well, how are you? Quinn asked cordially. Fine. How are you? She said. What do you teach, Jody? English, she said. Frank Quinn. Sounds like an old name. I'm an old guy, Quinn replied. It's an Irish name. Francis Tiernan Quinn. I share it with my grandfather who I never met and a grandson I never knew. It was a long silence. I'm not sure I have anything to say after that. She made eye contact for a moment then started to laugh, breaking the tension. How come you sit outside by yourself, she asked, 
returning to her line of questioning. I like being by myself. And besides, I guess I've driven everybody off. Not everybody. Yet, she said. Glenn wasn't quite sure he wanted this exchange to go any further. He coveted his time alone on the bench, and this woman was taking him in directions. He did not care to go. I've heard some things about you, she said curiously. What have you heard of me, Miss Richardson? I heard you're a dinosaur. And yes, it's Richardson. I heard you love it. Love what? asked Gwen. Teaching. Kids. Teach history, right? American history, among other things, Gwen replied. Other things? And after all these years, you still love it? How's that possible? You know, Quinn paused. No one's ever asked me that. I'm asking. You're awfully curious about an old burnout sitting on a bench. And bold, he thought. Quinn glanced down at his watch. Jody took the cue and got up to leave. It was nice finally meeting you, Francis Tiernan Quinn. It was nice meeting you, Jody. Maybe I'll see you down here again, she said. I'll be here, hopefully, every chance I get. And what does Jim Harrison have to say on this fine day, bringing Quinn back from his remembering? Well, quite a bit, actually, he answered. Ravens and crows aren't just ravens and crows. Mm, Jody feigned interest. Again, she leafed through the pages of Quinn's book, the space between the scars of dog ears told of short and erratic reading intervals. The reading habits of a man can say a lot about him, she said. Quinn had no comeback. So, Mr. Quinn, you never answered my question the last time I was down here. That's the second time you called me Mr. Quinn, he repeated. Hell, the kids don't even call me that anymore. What do they call you, Jody asked. Just Quinn. I prefer Captain, but it's just Quinn. Jody smiled. So, Mr. Quinn, my question. You're going to have to let me think about that. It had been a long morning. I thought sure you would have a prepared spiel, Jody said. Quinn shook his head, and a smile came to his face. I guess I'm notorious for that. The times demand you feel the future bearing down, but I have nothing but the past to wrap my arms. Who wrote that, she asked. I did. A flood of mixed emotions keep the heart at bay, for all your endings and beginnings are tangled up today. It's about my daughter, he said. Pretty impressive, reciting poetry to a girl, and it's just our second date, Jody said, playfully elbowing Quinn in the ribs. I'm old, but I ain't dead, Quinn responded. They both laughed. His mood lightened a bit. I can't imagine doing something I don't love, he said. But love can be torturous. What about you? Do you love it? I asked first, she said. Well, said Quinn, I'll give it a think. Quinn started eating his sandwich. He tried to shift the conversation. So, where'd you go to school? Flagler, she answered. Oh, St. Augustine, one of my favorite towns, he said. Oh, that's right, history guy, said Jody. Yeah, and a bar guy. There's a little place called Milltop that's my favorite. The Milltop Tavern and Listening Room. 
right down on St. George Street. Cold beer, guy with a guitar, view of the fort and the Kansas River. A little divey, don't you think? Jody replied. Absolutely, Quinn said, talking with his mouth full. So, Miss Richardson, what did Flagler College teach you about Faulkner? His wheels were turning now. A little. I once had students who were direct descendants of William Faulkner. Two sisters, wonderful girls. <clears throat> Jody seemed impressed. The past is never gone, she said after a moment. It's not even past, when finished the quote. So much of history is bad news, she said. So much news is bad news. No triumph without tribulation, Quinn answered, but the dissatisfaction with his own remark made him squirm. Jody seemed amused. Oh, is that like no guts, no glory? No pain, no gain? Quinn laughed and sighed. I guess it's the cost of knowing versus the cost of not knowing. Believe me, I struggle with that every day. Jody sat back, crossed her arms, and listened. I think the notion that the past is palpable in the here and now greatly affects the way we live. When we disregard the past, it blinds us to seeing the value of today. Woo, she said. Quinn went on. I wrote an essay once. It actually became a sermon for my students. Sort of took on a life of its own. I'm listening, she said. We were doing a lesson on Mel Fisher, Quinn continued, in his search for Spanish treasure down in the Keys. It turned into an analogy of youth and time and carpe diem. Today's the day, the old man would say. Today we find the treasure. You know, there used to be a history teacher over at Hoover who was a treasure hunter, Jack Debner, great storyteller. He preached seas today long before I ever figured it out. Dead Poets Society. Yeah, he said. Now that was a great movie. I have a picture of Robin Williams in my classroom. I thought every day of teaching would be like that, Jody said, playing with a straw in her smoothie. I would be inspiring my students. Carpe diem. Quinn smiled and waved to a passing student. Well, I'm not sure my experience had anything to do with the movie, but it was definitely an epiphany. It came to me upon a boat while chasing a sunset through the Gulf of Mexico. Have you ever seen a sunset on the Gulf after the rain? It'll take your breath away. Quinn gave her little time to answer, and for some reason he was standing now, so Jody put her feet up on the bench. We had been out all morning. The weather turned bad around noon, and I mean bad. Water spiled, dodging bad. We spent the rest of the day ducking in and out of the intercoastal, but on the way back on the outside, the water laid down, Coke bottle green, and the creator put on a show. I've never been the same. I think I'd like to read that essay if you don't mind, Jody said. Quinn laughed as the bell rang. My, I can go on and on. The guy with us on that day, he was a good friend, but we lost touch somehow. Quinn sighed at the cost of remembering. Thank you for that, Mr. Quinn, and the poetry, she said, heading for the stairs.